Faith Fact Red Pact, Episode 16. Hey everybody, welcome to Faith Factor Impact, where we hang out with today's top nonprofit thought leaders to get refueled, reconnected, and inspiration. So let's go. Begin to shed some of the layers of stress and ask the important life questions. Who am I? What am I here to do? What is my greater contribution? Hello, Impact listeners, Jay Everline here, your host, and I am stoked to present to you today our featured guest, Yogi Aaron. Hey, Yogi, welcome to the show. Hey, Jesse, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much. Yogi Aaron is the author of the autobiography of a naked yogi, currently serves as the co-owner of Blue Osa Yoga Retreat and Spa on the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. Faith, passion, and service are pillars of his teachings, and he demonstrates this through his work with local nonprofit organizations in Costa Rica. So, Yogi, I wish that I was hanging out with you in Costa Rica today, but I'm not. I'm here in Austin, Texas, but I'm so thrilled to have you on the on the show today, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about your story. But before we get into that, we always start the top of our show off with a reflection. It's a moment to quiet the noise. There's so many distractions out there. And so we like to start off with um, a moment of inspiration and insight. And so why don't you take a minute and share your reflection with us? Well, I, I have one of my reflections is one of my favorite passages from Scripture, uh, Matthew 6, uh verse 25 to 34. So, so, um, starts off, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or shall we wear? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is uh, one of my favorite scriptures, and um, I feel in many ways that this um particular scripture in the Bible is the bedrock of my life. Uh, my life is built upon an idea of having very little and giving a lot and really uh, working each moment to be in the moment and, um, and being aware of presence and um, the divine within and contributing to the world from that place. Such a good reflection to start us off. And, you know, one of the things that I took away as you, you read that passage is this, this idea, find that peace, um, in the moment, um, 
the passage kind of talks about why are you worried about this or about that, about what you're going to eat. And, and of course, in, in some environments, that's a, that's a real um, thing, right? There are folks that don't have food to eat or water uh, to mm-hmm. drink, clean water to drink, and that's a real thing. And so certainly don't want to overlook that. Um, but you know, after we have met those basic needs as Maslow's hierarchy of needs would suggest, um, the question becomes, where do you find that peace? Even in the most dire situations, um, and we have examples upon examples of, of this across the globe where people who are impoverished and don't have clean running water, um, find a way um, to, to find that peace and they're able to yeah. to live with that. And so that's so good. I appreciate you sharing that, Aaron, very much. So Aaron, I have to say, you know, I try not to uh, be envious too much, but I'm a little bit envious about the fact you're in Costa Rica. And while I love Austin, Texas, I would much rather be in Costa Rica right now. So we're there hanging out and, um, like to get into your story. Uh, who is Yogi Aaron and how did you get to start doing what you're doing today? Talk with us a little bit about that. So I started off in Vancouver and as a young man, I was a scuba instructor and used to volunteer with many different uh, nonprofits. Uh, one of them was that I was a, a big brother of Greater Vancouver. Uh, my passion was to teach scuba diving and in that I started uh, practicing yoga and then became a yoga teacher. Um, as fate would have it, I ended up leaving Vancouver and following my dream as a scuba instructor, went to work in the Caribbean for a few years. And I was very lucky to live in Haiti. La- Haiti was one of the places I lived in. And it um, living in Haiti taught me a lot about the other side of the world that we don't get to see. And um, ignited a passion in me to really try to, um, in some way, uh, help those who didn't have what I had. Um, and in my heart, I wanted to continue or get back into teaching yoga and, um, the universe through fortune or fate brought me to New York. And that was where I started, um, a yoga studio, which, led me on a path um, traveling around the world, teaching yoga, leading retreats around the world. And that inevitably led me to uh, Costa Rica. And uh, I started leading yoga retreats in Costa Rica. And um, it was one day I was driving down the road in Costa Rica to the retreat center that we were having the retreat at. And there was a Century 21 sign outside. And uh, the friends that were with me were like, Aaron, you need to open up a yoga retreat here. And um, and in my heart, I really had this craving to uh, create a place for community, for fellowship, in a place that people could not just feel at home, but really begin to shed some of the layers of stress and ask the important life questions. Who am I? What am I here to do? what is my greater contribution? I believe that in order for us to really thrive in this world, feeling or of thriving is directly related to how much are we able to contribute in, in the yoga uh, tradition. The amount of contribution that we make is direct, directly related to our, our feelings of fulfillment. And so, um, 
So that was really important to me. And um, my business partner, who was then my student, was with me. And he had indicated he was interested in, in participating in this project. So we went to go uh, see the retreat. And, and the rest is really history. So one of the reasons why we have Aaron on the show, folks, uh, that are tuning in today, in the last two episodes, in fact, we've really been intentional about bringing on folks that can help us specifically in a nonprofit space think differently about tapping into that inner self. Um, and so I'm so excited about Aaron kind of sharing his journey and talking with us about some things that he is doing uh, there in Costa Rica with Blue Osa, uh, which is a fantastic place to go visit if uh, you ever get a chance to. But um, we're going to we're going to dive in here a, a little bit more, Aaron, and, and talk about some of those practices. You know, one of the things that you, you may have heard, and this is certainly true in the nonprofit space, which was really one of the catalysts for us kind of launching the show um, focused on nonprofits, is that, you know, burnout is said to be the disease of our civilization. Um, and in nonprofits in particular, we oftentimes find ourselves burning the candle at both ends. And sometimes that becomes a badge of honor. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what happens when we do that is we actually lose the effectiveness that we can ultimately have. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today and kind of get into your story. And but before we do, you know, one of the things that we uh, we have on the show, it's a, a tenet of our show, is that there's a faith factor. Uh, there is a why, something that you believe is bigger than you that gets you up every day to go after whatever you feel destined uh, to do in your life and make a difference. There's a faith factor in every person who's setting out to do that and make an impact in the world. And so, Aaron, you um, work with nonprofits. You do some work specifically at helping people to find uh, peace within themselves. What's your faith factor? Talk to us a little bit about that. I uh, uh, My faith factor is um, to truly, uh, what gets me up in the morning is to truly be of service to people. And um, and what that looks like or what that is, is my, what drives me is to see people thrive and live in their purpose. Uh, there's nothing more rewarding than to see um, people move into their purpose in life and 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 follow through with it and and actually do it and whatever that is and and when I say purpose you know the, the, we can I sometimes I'm referring to life purpose but sometimes it's just the purpose of you know some of the or some of the people that we help we send them to school and that's their purpose in that moment is to get a better education and to go on and to to um so that they can have a better future and they can have help their families have a better future. So I don't think of purpose always as this big grand life, you know, thing. Sometimes purpose is just helping people fulfill their goals uh, and getting in touch with what their goals are in that moment. So that's what gets me excited um, to see that as a yoga teacher, but not just as a yoga teacher, but also as a uh, person who's a, a very strong steward in the community is that when you see that light go on in people and they like get it and they just step so passionately into their life and and live life in a very big and meaningful way. 
Love that. So, uh, Aaron, you mentioned this earlier. You, you, your journey got you to this place where you are today. And you've got a fascinating story about some valley moments or a valley moment that happened along your journey. Mm-hmm. And tell us about that, that valley moment. Yeah, sure. I would love to. I, uh, in 2007, I was uh, leading a group of people in the Himalayan mountains and we uh, were just literally on the last day uh, coming down from this beautiful place called Tapovan, which sits at 14,500 feet. And uh, I remember very clearly that morning standing in a circle as the morning sun was rising and just saying a prayer, um, you know, asking for blessings, um, uh, expressing gratitude. And just to um, have clarity on the final steps of our journey. And as we were descending from Tapovan down this glacier, um, we almost had reached the bottom when somebody uh, yelled to me specifically because I was at the very back, you know, Aaron, look up. And I, I looked up just a moment too late. And as I looked over my left shoulder, a boulder twice the size of a basketball was plummeting towards me. Um, and hit my left uh, femur bone. Mm. And I completely crumpled, of course, in that moment. And, it, uh, you know, it, it took me, <laughs> it wasn't until I really got, you know, to the hospital eventually that I found out that the femur was broken. I, up until that point, I was in severe denial. <laughs> mm. All I knew is I couldn't walk. And, you know, immediately after that, the boulder hit me. Um, some people left to try and go get a helicopter because there was an Indian army base that was really close by. And we thought that maybe we could get them to bring a helicopter there. And, you know, the accident happened at eight o'clock in the morning and around three o'clock in the afternoon, it was very clear um, that a helicopter was not coming. And, and quite possibly that help was not coming. And, I often tell people that 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 I felt as if all the spiritual practice that I had done had led me to that moment. All of um, the practice of meditation and prayer um, and building and cultivating faith um, had led me to that moment. And in that moment, I realized I had a choice of how I was really going to live my life. Um, I made you know a, two promises. One was to really just stay as present as possible and stay as connected to um, the divine as possible. And if I got out of this, to really live my life in greater service. Yes. <laughs> and um, and the choice was the, the the choice was to not just stay present, but also to to be clear about how I was going to choose my attitude. And one of my greatest teachers um, said to me, you know, Aaron, if you're going to be a mess, then be a happy mess. Mm-hmm. And like those kind of words really ring true in my life um, to this day that in every moment, you know, we have choice to kind of how we re- react to something. And, uh, and that experience solidified in many ways this kind of, place of equilibrium that I move through life, um, that I'm able to move through life with and from. And I've seen that power of, of what can happen when you 
when you rise from great stillness. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the helicopter didn't come, but help finally did come. It happened right very close to sunset. Um, and we slowly, you know, they wrapped me up in this cocoon-like um, structure with many blankets and a bamboo stick. And slowly we moved down the rest of the glacier. Um, there was a lot of pain. <laughs> they were mm. trying to be as gentle as possible, but my broken leg would hit rocks <laughs> on the my. way down. <laughs> Ouch. It was, it was quite a sight to see. And we got down to the bottom of the glacier and where the trail was much more clear. And there was a team of people there with a dandy. Um, so they hoisted me up on this dandy, splinted my leg. And we walked in, in pitch black for the rest of the 25 kilometers um, all the way back to Gungo Tree uh, where there was an ambulance waiting. And we finally got back uh, you know, to the ambulance. It was about 12 o'clock at midnight. So it was 16 hours later. And uh, we immediately got into the ambulance and sped off. And within two hours, uh, hit a landslide and was stuck there for another 12 hours. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that practice, that sorry, that moment taught me so much about patience and surrender and what it truly meant to surrender to a higher power. Um, it's... I don't think it's the mindset of like, there's a reason why this is happening. I'm not one of those people that try and analyze, you know, the kind of reasons, but it's more like, this is what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> End of story. And how am I going to react to it? Such an amazing story, man. I, I admire your resilience, your decision uh, that if if you're if you're going to be a mess, be a happy mess. I really like that. That's great advice. And and so this is so good. This is so good. And so you know, I really want to kind of get into this conversation about how you found that inner inner peace and how are you leading others to find that inner peace. Cause I think this is so key, particularly for those of us in the nonprofit space, trying our best to serve our communities and needing to just be consciously aware of finding peace and, and being centered, if you will. And, you know, there's studies after studies uh, that talk about, you know, how toxic stress um, has a prolonged um, impact, negative impact on your life and your person and your ability to be, to live a full and a healthy life. What are some of the, the things that you could share with us today, uh, to help us really, uh, start say tomorrow or, or later today, um, practicing that will begin to get us centered and find that, um, search within ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's a big question. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but you're, you're the right man. You're the right man to take it on. But the answer is very simple. And, um, you know, one of my favorite passages from the Bible is be still and know that I am God. And that is just such a profound statement that throughout the theme and throughout, uh, what is taught is to come back to stillness, you know, whether that's in prayer or meditation, turn, make a deep, deep, dedicated commitment to 
turning off the noise of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the place to start. If it's just for five minutes, if it's to, for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes, for 20 minutes, I heard a great quote yesterday that if, who was it? The Dalai Lama that said, if you're a busy person, you need to meditate for 20 minutes a day. If you're the type of person who thinks that you have no time to meditate, then you should meditate for an hour a day. <laughs> <laughs> Words of <And> the wise. It's <laughs> a great quote, eh? But it's getting still. And, you know, people ask me how I was able to um, come off that mountain and and be in the space that I was. And it, it my power, my resilience came from stillness. It came from my ability to go inwards and... Um, and, through, and as I mentioned before, through a deep cultivation of faith. And um, that is the best thing that anybody can do, is really give themselves permission to be still. Mm-hmm. And in that stillness, just feel, just notice, just pray, you know, turn off the news, <laughs> turn off Facebook, yeah. put your phone on airplane mode. And, and, you know, there's several practices that you can do. I mentioned one of them is prayer. There's several meditation practices. Um, and, you know, the simplest one is just to watch your breath. And I promise you that if, if you do that after 30 days, you'll notice that your life will start to have a different color in it. And mm. if you do it for a year, you'll notice that you have over the year progressively started to make better and healthier decisions that are more aligned with who you are and uh, and more aligned with your life purpose. And it's you know probably a lot of your listeners are saying well how does that happen it just does because you've started to shed some of the noise of your mind you've started to shed some of the noise that is causing those layers of stress and those layers of stress are causing all of us to make really bad decisions in life um and those bad decisions lead us further and further away from what we're meant to be doing uh, in those moments of stillness is the place uh, where all the great teachers have said that inspiration, the true fountain of inspiration springs forth. And um, and in that inspiration, we have great power to do and conquer, you know, um, many things. You know, two of my the greatest influences of my life um, are Mandela, Nelson Mandela and uh Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you look at them, those two people, um, and both of them spent such an enormous amount of time in prison. And, and yet they were able to accomplish enormous things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just proof that, that we don't need to be these, you know, this, this person that is, is trying to multitask and do several things all at once that we, can just come from if we come from a place of stillness we can accomplish so much in our life so good so good so i got from that meditate pray pay attention to your breath and those three things one of those three things uh can make a world of difference in terms of you beginning to take this journey towards mindfulness finding peace getting focused and overall being a more effective person. Yeah. Um, 
such good stuff. So, so Aaron, and, and, and go, just want to just add to that and just say like, you know, turn off the noise, really yeah. make a commitment to turning off the noise. Um, you know, one of the practices that I really embody is to practice silence until seven thirty every morning. Okay. And we do that at Blue Osa and, um, and I do it in my life cons- consistently and in doing that and then just sitting, you know, and a lot of people, you know, go for walks on the beach or, you know, ride their bike and that's great, but there's nothing more powerful than just sitting. You can sit in a chair. You don't need to sit on a floor like a yogi, just sit on a chair and just be still for five minutes or 10 minutes and, and do those three things. Just watch, uh, pray and or meditate. Mm. So good. So good, guys. Listen, folks, this is intentional. We are we're doing everything we can to help you help yourself so that in turn you can help as many people as possible. I mean, Aaron just gave you two great examples. Obviously, Nelson Mandela and Gandhi had an impact that ricocheted across the globe. Um, And they, quite frankly, didn't have as much time freedom uh, but yet and still, they found a way uh, to make a huge impact. And I know that may seem far fetched and we're not saying you've got to be a Nelson Mandela or Gandhi. But, you know, basically the message is um, you can do more with um, even less time um, if you kind of take take it to heart and do some of these practices that Aaron is talking about. Um, Aaron, I'm curious, um, are you familiar with uh, Dan Butner's work uh, with Blue Zone? I am not, actually. Well, anyway, I think this may this may be um, good for folks to maybe go and and do a little bit of um, research on this. Very very fascinating work, Dan Butner, and um, he led a group that went to various areas of places like Greece and Japan and Nicaragua, and what they sought out to do was to find parts of the world where people were living the longest at an exponential. Um, rate than, than, than the rest of the world. And they, they identified these places as the blue zones. And so they evaluated mm-hmm. these cultures, um, looked at their, the, the areas that had the highest life expectancy, et cetera. And I just want to, I want to do that plug there because some of the research, some of the things that Dan and his team have done so phenomenal in terms of, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people don't want to live to be over a hundred years old. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure, but if you want to live a long, a, a healthy life, let's not even say long, maybe you don't want to live long, but you want to live healthy and you want to live a life that is uh, free of many of the diseases that we suffer from um, here in the United States and maybe other places. Um, check out the blue zone work um, with Dan Butner. It fits very well with some of the, a lot of the things that Aaron has shared with us today. And I just want you all, our listeners to take a moment, take a moment, quiet the noise as Aaron has encouraged us to do, get focused, find that inner peace and start practicing those good habits. Um, We're just here to help and try to encourage you to do that. We're trying to practice those things in our life. um, And we want to take you on that journey with us. So Aaron, we talk a lot about leadership and you uh, participate in, and are engaged in uh, working with several nonprofits. And I like to get into this because as a for-profit, you know, we in a nonprofit space oftentimes look to for-profits to help us fund some of our programs and the things that we're doing. And so I'm curious from your perspective with some of the nonprofits that you've worked with, 
What are some things that you found that really worked out well that you think um, our listeners could benefit from as they think about engaging for-profit leaders to help them um, meet the needs of their cause? Well, I really think, you know, as we've built Blue Osa, um, you know, and we are in business, I believe that entrepreneurs have a social responsibility to not only care uh, for our environment, but the people in that environment. So we've made ourselves available to different nonprofits, and some of them have um, jumped and, and taken advantage of what we've what we have. And you know, I think that a lot of nonprofits can not just benefit from um, money, which of course they need money, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also the skills. Entrepreneurs, um, people that have their own businesses, most of them, if not all of them, are very skilled people, um, and they have very specific skills. In the case of my business partner and I, uh, Adam is an interior decorator. Um, He has a keen eye for design and how things should flow. Mm. He has a very strong uh, sense of organization and order and structure in, in sort of a um, business environment. And my skill set is in marketing and, um, and team building. And so when we partnered uh, with a local school, um, it's a local bilingual not-for-profit school, uh, we went in there and um, we just didn't, uh, you know, we did re- help them to raise money. One of the things that Adam did for a specific amount of time was became uh, the lead fundraiser because he had a lot of contacts um, and people with money. But more to that, more than that, he, he went in there and started to assist the director in starting to bring a sense of greater organization um, and, and his leadership um, to assist the, the director of the school to kind of move them through certain walls and through certain obstacles that they needed to get through to get the school to another level. And I came in with my skill sets as um, someone who was into marketing and website design and um, created a whole new fabulous website for them and nice. um, and put them on track with, you know, getting um, caught up with 2000, uh, well, this was last year, 2015. And so I think that one of the things that um, nonprofits can look for is look for people like myself who may not have enormous amount of funds um, at my fingertips all the time to give, um, which sometimes is... is getting people to donate their skills, um, real skills, um, is I think sometimes far more valuable, uh, than, than just absolute, um, just donating actual dollars. I think that's such a great point, And I'm thankful that you raised that. Yes, indeed. We need money to do the stuff that we're, we are uh, trying to accomplish in our communities. But as you noted, it can be even more valuable if you can find someone um, that has skill sets that you don't have in your organization or you can't afford, you know, mm-hmm. you can't afford to pay someone. Uh, so basically it's kind of an in-kind type of a situation. Um, and, um, that is so good. And I think uh, folks can take away from that. Find, find someone who can help bring skill sets and maybe money, but also skill sets to your organization. So good stuff. So Aaron, 
let me ask you this. I know I kind of put you on the spot here. Um, <laughs> so, you know, let's just roll with it, if you will. That's what it's all about. Um, so, you know, I, I just keep thinking about trying to pull something together that can help nonprofit leaders, you know, work on things like attention, training, self-knowledge and self-mastery. And we hadn't talked about this, so this is completely impromptu. And if what what would it look like if we had you back on sometime later to, um, I don't know, be very focused on some things around that area uh, and kind of said, as I mentioned, you know, kind of attention training. You talked about, you know, the breathing technique, self-knowledge and self-mastery. What do you think about that? I would love to do that. That would give me so much pleasure to be of service and be of, of help in that if that's what you would like to do. Sweet. Well, for those listening, you heard it. Uh, Aaron can't back out now. If you are interested in something like that, if you're interested in something like that, send me a note. Let me know that you're listening and uh, we will work with Aaron to make that happen. And so yeah. good stuff. I appreciate you being and willing to do that. And you can, uh, you can tell me later if you want to get back at me on that. But- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent. Awesome. Well, Aaron, before we close it out, I, I, I want to ask you a few things, right? So we talk about leadership here quite a bit. We think that it can be the difference between surviving and thriving in organizations. And so are there two skills that you believe believe are needed to be a successful leader? <laughs> two skills. There's a couple of skills. Yeah. One is to really listen to people. Um, I I think that the it's really important to listen to people. You don't have to do what they say. Um, you don't have to take their suggestions, but it is important to truly listen to people and listen to what they. Um, need to say or their ideas. Um, and in an organization, especially a nonprofit organization, um, I, ideas uh, are the river of inspiration. Yes. And when we stop listening to those ideas, the river of inspiration stops flowing. Yeah. So it's so important to keep them coming. And, and, and also to, you know, if you ever say, you know, that's something that we're not going to do right now, it's like, maybe let that person know, thank you so much for giving that. And we're going to hold on to that, you know, because in a year from now, that idea might be, you know, worth its weight in gold. <laughs> it may not be something that you need right now, but it's something that you can use later. Um, number two is a leader is someone who really has to make decisions and, um, you know, always as a leader, you feel like you, people are looking for you or looking to you to make the decision. And it doesn't always have to be the right decision, but it has to be a decision and, um, and that you go full throttle ahead, uh, in, and, uh, and number three, always take time for yourself. You know, we talked earlier about the silence and cultivating that moment of silence and inward, um, reflection. And I think that, um, you know, this is something that leaders don't do often enough is just truly take time for themselves to turn off the noise and go within and, and notice where their notice where their own inner source of, of inspiration is coming from and, and reconnect daily to that. Why? So good. So good. And I just want to add to your, your, first uh, skill that you talked about was was listening. I really love what you said. In fact, one of the um, 
One of the things that uh, I have often said with the teams that I've led is that you get your say, but not your way. Right. So listening does not mean that you have to go with it, but it does mean that you give people an opportunity to have voice. And I think that is uh, such a, a great skill to mention. Yogi, Aaron, name one book that you've read that has a, had a lasting impact on your leadership along your journey. I'm going to say two books, um, not just one. <laughs> All right. Give, give them to us. But one of them is The uh, Power of Now, which is um, by Eckhart Tolle. And it rings um, uh, or plays to everything that I just talked about, that it's all about turning off the noise and just sitting in the present. And another one is The Art of Joyful Living uh, by one of my teachers, Swami Rama. And Aaron, we always like to have a call to action. Name one thing our listeners can do, saying in the next two weeks, to take in everything that you've said today and continue to make an impact in their community. So the call to action I would ask people to take is really commit to spending five minutes with yourself. Turn off the noise in your life. Make a commitment to you know, uh, turning off the Facebook first thing in the morning and turning off the news and just be and, and turning off the music even and just be quiet in the mornings and um, starts to see start to see what rises out of that silence and what inspiration starts to fill that silence. And it won't happen immediately. You know, people do things once and they expect something to happen. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. It's kind of like the child that plants, you know, the little seed in the pot and then every day comes and like removes the dirt to see if the seed has done anything. <laughs> it's like you got to water it and let it grow and it takes a month or two. And so this is kind of like the same with this practice. It takes a month, two months, three months, six months. And then a year later, you start to look back and go, wow, look at what has happened because I chose to do that. Really cultivate moments of silence for yourself. That's my call to action. Love that. Repetition is the mother of all learning. Get into the habit. I like that, Aaron. And Aaron, where do we go to find out more about you? You can go to yogiaaron.com. And that's my website. And you can find out everything that I'm doing there and get in touch with my uh, writings and that sort of thing. And if people are interested more about Blue Osa um, and some of the community projects we're doing or or have done, they can go to blueosa.com. So folks, we say it all the time. The difference between the you now and the you later is the people you meet and the books you read. And you've been listening to Yogi Aaron and Jay Everline. Aaron, we thank you so much for joining us on the show today and for making a difference in your community and giving us so many great nuggets for how to come back burnout and to get at peace with ourselves. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. It's a real honor to speak to you and, and your group of people and uh, wishing you all the best. Everybody, when you have a chance, head over to faithfactorimpact.com to access the show notes page for this episode, all the references, all the resources that were mentioned today. And as always, guys, until next time, let's go make an impact.